Joseph Hunter, and this is Writer's Therapy, a place for us to think about writing, talk about writing, and get writing out of our systems. sitting in a car waiting for Beth to pick up some food from a local takeout that we really like. On the way here back from picking Beth up from her office in central Manchester which has been open throughout the lockdowns it was really busy coming through Longsight. People walking the streets in groups of four or five which is odd considering we're still in a national lockdown technically. And I wondered if it was something to do with spring being very visibly here. It's still kind of cold once the sun goes down, but there are daffodils up. There's blue skies at the moment, and we've had a sunny day today. And it does affect people's behavior. You know, you're seeing people in the streets wearing t-shirts. And this evening we're planning on having a fire in the backyard and sitting outside. I wonder if seasonality, the change of the seasons can affect writing. It's very clear to me that mood affects writing. So why shouldn't it be, why shouldn't the weather affect writing and the seasons too? to which we are responsible for the work we create seems to me a slightly vexed question. And when I say responsible, I hope you can hear the air quotes. Because although if I write something, it's clearly me who sat down and typed out the words or written them by hand. And it's me who's gone through and rewritten them and thought about the order in which I tell events or the way that I describe things. It's also pretty clear that in the same way that each one of us is the sum of our experiences, our background, the time in which we live and the social conditions around us, each piece of writing is also the products of those things. And in the study of literature, you can often draw out large theories and, and, and insights about the society that author lived in. You know, I guess that's a kind of... Um, deconstructionist approach which is to say you know Oscar Wilde's writing was a reaction against kind of the authoritarian paternalistic mode of thinking that was popular in Britain at the time as well as being a kind of aesthetic reaction against um, certain kinds of ideas of decency and classical propriety that were popular at the time and that's true but I think Creative people in particular like to think that there's such a thing as the individual creative genius. And that is a singular, you know, a genius is a singular individual. One mind, one existence that manages to create things that are unique in some way. And the idea of creating something unique is kind of an odd one because obviously everything that exists is unique. You know, no two things can be the same. I'm not very well versed in philosophy, but I think that's a relatively uncontroversial statement. Even two things that are <clears throat> created in a factory and 
stamped out by the same metalworking machine or plastic molding machine. So even if you try, you can't recreate something that someone else has created. And although that means it's unique in a literal sense, does it mean that it's uniquely creative? I.e., does it step outside the bounds of the conditions in which it was created and make something new? The most celebrated works of literature tend to be the ones that were different to the climate of their times. Although Shakespeare very much fits within the Jacobean theatre tradition and the Elizabethan theatre tradition, the works that he created were different in that they added extra layers of psychological complexity and so on to um, the theatre that was contemporary to him. Um, you know, you can think of lots of other examples. If you look at someone like James Joyce, you know, who was writing in this extreme experimental modernist style that was so far outside the bounds of most literature at the time that, you know, he really struggled for an audience. And it was only through the patronage and financial support of people who thought they recognised something in what he was doing that he managed to survive and write at all or managed to, you know, exclusively write rather than teaching or whatever it was he was doing before that. That makes sense, doesn't it? Because if something's very different, it's easy to recognise as different. Um, you can tell when something doesn't look like other things. It's easy to pick out a black sheep from a, sh a field full of white sheep. But that doesn't necessarily mean that being different is the key to creating a vital piece of work. If we're all the sum of our conditions, then you could argue that the person who does the best job of understanding that is the person who's creating the most vital work of art. The problem with being very experimental and being different that way is that to an extent you're obfuscating the conditions that you're creating within. So, for example, uh, in Ulysses, there, there is a story that you can follow. I read it not long ago and there is a story. It's it's not a conventional story in any sense. There aren't really the same kind of plot points that you would expect or even the same kinds of uh, character relationships. But there is essentially a story. A lot of it is to do with the inner life of the characters and their, you know, secret lives in, in various different ways. And, you know, you, you, you're forced to work very hard to distinguish which characters are coming in at different times. You know, someone who is more of a Joycean scholar might argue that, you know, he's actually not really doing... that. what he's doing is really on the level of words rather than on ideas such as character and plot, and that actually the words themselves become the characters. I think there's something to be said for that. Uh, it does make it difficult to read, though, which is probably not a controversial thing to say. It's a difficult book to read. That's just one example. There are lots of other modernist works that are difficult to read as well, and that's before we even get into sort of postmodernist and, you know, extreme experimental writing. Ulysses, though, is a good example, but it's because it's become this archetypal genius work, you know, a work that was so different to everything else around it that it changed the face of literature forever. But when I read it, what it seemed to me was that the thing that that kind of work asks you to do is it asks you to recreate the conditions of convention in order to understand it. I.e., you can't read a work in which there are no characters and no plot because you don't have the equipment to receive a novel like that. And so consequently, even if they're difficult to find, you look for them and you have to dig them out. That can be very enjoyable. So there are passages of Ulysses where you are um, reading kind of the, the, the sort of uh, stream of consciousness of 
somebody you're not quite sure who it is sometimes it changes it changes between characters and you're forced to act like a kind of detective um to dig out the character and, and there's a satisfaction in doing that you know sometimes to think of another writer that i that i'm quite familiar with in the work of david foster wallace the thing that you're trying to do is dig out the story in a piece that otherwise appears to be for example um a presentation on marketing or uh, there was one story of his that begins as a um, what they call in America a pop quiz, which is a, basically a multiple choice exam that they give as part of a course. There is satisfaction in doing that because you start to see, ah, oh, okay, there's something going on behind the words. There's a story that's out there somewhere that isn't immediately obvious that you have to kind of find for yourself. And it is satisfying, but I do think that there's a point of no return with that stuff. That sometimes by trying to be different, by trying to be unique, you're actually getting further away from what you could argue is the job of literature, literature, which is to shine the clearest light on circumstance. The circumstance of the person writing it, potentially, but also in, in something like a historical novel, it's the clarity of time, the, 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 the clear light of time, i.e. the difference between the time in which it is set and the time in which it's written, that enables us to see things in that particular moment of history that those people were not able themselves to see. So, for example, one of my advisors at the University of Manchester, Ian Maguire, wrote this novel, The North Water, a couple of years ago, which is set on a whaling ship towards the end of the whaling industry in the 19th century. And what he's able to do with the benefit of time and the clarity of time is he's able to draw out things to do with human exploitation and violence and uh, sexual abuse on board whaling ships that people at the time would not have recognised in the same way, or if they did, they wouldn't have written about them in the way that he's able to write about them. And that doesn't mean to say he's, he's explicit about pointing these things out as such. It's just that these are things that you were able to see at a distance. And I actually think that it's a really amazing job of literature when it's written at the contemporary moment to be able to do the same thing for that moment and the social conditions in which it's created. And I do think that sometimes experimental techniques such as those favoured by the modernists like Virginia Woolf and James Joyce and postmodern techniques employed by you know people like Pynchon and David Foster Wallace sometimes get in the way of those things at the same time as trying to be um, appropriate to them. The reason why people like Pynchon and Foster Wallace employed encyclopedic techniques, you know, lists and, and sort of, you know, scientific language and footnotes and the rest of it, um, was because they were trying to do justice to the proliferation of information in a modern media-saturated age. However, that makes it more difficult to read. And that's not just a complaint from a lazy reader, I don't think. I think it's also to do with um, the, the amount of distance it puts between you and what you might term the emotional core of the writing. The other thing about this is that it's in the pursuit of trying to be more realistic that these modernist and postmodernist techniques have begun to get in the way of what I believe is often the truth of literature, which is to explore the social conditions of the time or the conditions of the time in a general sense. There's a good quote from Virginia Woolf from an essay she wrote in 1919 about writing that I think is a really good example of the way in which this can happen. And I'll read it now. Examine for a moment an ordinary mind on an ordinary day. The mind receives a myriad impressions, trivial, fantastic, evanescent, or engraved with the sharpness of steel. From all sides they come, 
an incessant shower of innumerable atoms, and as they fall, as they shape themselves into the life of Monday or Tuesday, the accent falls differently from of old. The moment of importance came not here but there, so that if a writer were a free man and not a slave, if he could write what he chose, not what he must, if he could base his work on his own feeling and not upon convention, there would be no plot, no comedy, no tragedy, no love interest or catastrophe in the accepted style, and perhaps not a single button sewn on as the Bond Street tailors would have it. That's from an essay called Modern Fiction in 1919. And I'm a big fan of Wolf's writing, particularly um, Mrs. Dalloway, which I think is a fantastic piece of work. And I do like her non-fiction. A Room of One's Own is a brilliant read and really important work for the time. And so what I'm saying is not a, a criticism of her. It's more that there is a point of no return with those techniques. What she's basically saying is that the mind is so full of impressions in the modern age, she argues, that the job of literature, literature should be to show how vital and how explosive the internal life of the mind is, and that that should supersede any traditional ideas of plot and structure and character, that those things will actually get in the way of exploring the richness of the mind, the life of a Monday or Tuesday, which she thinks is just as important as any of the old tragedies. You know, it's, it's a powerful thing to say and it's a, it's a powerful thing to try and, and explore. But the thing, is that, the thing is that in exploring that, writers have often found themselves at a dead end. Virginia Woolf is actually writing literature which is something like a bridge between the old and the new. In Mrs. Dalloway, there are characters, there are love interests, there, are, there is a plot. Um, it's m more free-ranging, it's written in a kind of more exploratory style than, than say, you know, a Dickens or a Fielding or something. But those things are all still there, the components are all still there, and so consequently the, the detective reader, as I referred to them earlier, is able to find those characters and to follow that love interest and to follow that plot and receive some satisfaction from it. The same is true in Ulysses, as I mentioned. You have to dig out those things, but they are there. The problem is when you arrive at something like Finnegan's Wake, which was the book that Joyce wrote after Ulysses, which took him a very long time to write, and is, by all accounts, basically an unreadable book. Because it takes all the extreme experimentalism and the kind of unique phrasings and the, you know, the sheer in inventiveness of creating new words that happens in Ulysses and makes that the entire writing. And so it's very hard to find anything recognisable in it. And the problem with that is that in the pursuit of writing something unique and different and new, Joyce has lost what I believe to be an important purpose of art, which is that the person receiving it should derive some benefit from it. Because if we aren't creating art that other people can derive benefit from, we are only creating it for ourselves.